Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. WNBA star Brittany Griner. She's safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia. The Russian invasion of Ukraine. We're now 10 months into this. It's failed to do what it set out to do. Russia has failed. Drugs, crime, and gangs. Record number of people pouring into our communities is a disgrace. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a political trivia Thursday. Lots to talk about, and it's nice to start out with some good news. Good news for Eastern North Carolina. Good news for the men and women serving in our military. On the phone with us right now to talk about it is Representative Greg Murphy, who represents North Carolina's 3rd Congressional District in the U.S. House. Um, Dr. Murphy, Representative Murphy, welcome back to uh, News and Views. Good to have you with us. And some good news, not only in terms of dollars for Eastern North Carolina, but also in terms of this COVID vaccine. Yeah, uh, Tom, thanks again for having me. Uh, nice to talk with you again. It was a really, it, it was a great victory in so many different aspects. Um, you know, we got $190 million for Camp Lejeune, Cherry Point. Uh, New River Air Station for desperately needed construction projects. And we got a 4.6% raise uh, for our service members, a, defer- a, a desperately needed um, a show of appreciation. And then um, the release of this unbelievable vaccine. I'll just take a little aside here as a physician. I thoroughly and absolutely understand the need for mission readiness to make sure everybody is as healthy as possible. However, studies have shown um, that the risks of this vaccine are not small in that particular age group population and uh, compared to some of the other risks. And now that they're therapeutics, they're medicines that people can take, pills, that if they were to get COVID-19, there's no uh, reason, in my opinion, um, to push this on service members who, for either medical or religious reasons, do not want this. And so I think it's a major victory. It's one that should have happened long ago. Um, but it's uh, something that's very, very important, especially in light of how they treat this and, uh, and keep, our, uh, keep our soldiers and Marines healthy. Is there anything in the bill uh, concerning the service members who have already been discharged about bringing them back into the service? No, they're, uh, that's in negotiation. That's in negotiation. And um, I personally... We would visit it all along and at some point and then begging our uh, former members to come back. Hopefully some will. I, I think a large number will not. And sadly enough, our, uh, our, our readiness, I was talking with Ray Celeste, who is, our, is my uh, military uh, liaison uh, on staff who uh, does our military affairs. He said that our, our service is essentially 25% down than what it should be for readiness. 25%. Recruiting numbers are way off. Numbers of people going to the academy, um, uh, applying for the academies have dropped because of some of the nonsense, not only with this vaccine mandates, but some of the absolute nonsense of woke that's been going on in our military. It's a, it's a national, international embarrassment. But uh, we, we need to get our forces back up to steam, especially in light of what's going on around the world. This $190 million that's going to come in uh, to eastern North Carolina, a lot of that will be construction at Cherry Point and uh, New River. 
and down yeah. to Camp Lejeune. What what is the uh, impact beyond um, beyond the military bases? What kind of an impact is that going to have on those communities? Well, it's going to have a large impact. And one thing also, um, Tom, is that there's a five hundred million dollar additional allowance, um, housing allowance, um, in this in this bill because so many of our young Marines, young soldiers, young sailors in communities are. So if we can't if we can't house the people that are serving our country, um, regardless if it's in you know in uh, Onslow County or anywhere, um, they're in a really difficult situation. Also, there's another 250 million um, that goes to help the prices in commissaries and stuff. Um, you know, the inflation has just killed everybody. Um, but this is important that we support those who uh, literally sacrifice uh, for our freedom. So those are the other things, not only building projects that we have, uh, you know, in our district, which is going to be, you know, great for jobs and the ancillary things that go with it, um, but also just nationally to be able to allow our soldiers and Marines to uh, basically survive, you know, be able to afford things these days. When will this take effect? For example, when will the when will the uh, servicemen and women see this pay increase? You know, I'm not exactly sure of that, Tom. I'll have to – I don't remember seeing, honestly, a, an implementation date. But it's definitely going to be in the – is my understanding in the first quarter. Okay. Okay. Well, that's that is uh, – <laughs> you've got a lot of uh, happy uh, constituents in eastern North Carolina tonight, uh, Dr. Murphy. Hey, let me yeah, ask you – know, Go I, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. No, I was going to change subjects, so I'm going to let you finish up on this. Well, I just – going back to the vaccine mandate, you know, I, I get it. I, you know, I'm pro-vaccine, but I'm also uh, with it with a, uh, with a smart eye. I think if you look at countries like Sweden, which got absolutely – um, attack worldwide for the way they approach uh, the pandemic. They've turned out, you know, they put their elderly away. They made sure that their the vaccines were applied to those most at high risk. They let their kids go to school. They've turned out to really be, I think, I believe it was 63 in the world in per capita deaths and so many other things. The kids aren't so far behind in school. I understand the need for vaccines in the military, for readiness and all those things. But in this age and in this population, science tells us otherwise, especially, especially now, since there are pills that somebody can take, which decreases the symptoms, just like the vaccine is supposed to do. And sadly enough, Tom, you know, um, the CDC even reported in August, a higher percentage of individuals died who had been vaccinated and boosted for the first time than those who had been unvaccinated. So vaccines. But it's also we have to step back and see how this was so politicized and actually look at get back to science being scientific rather than being politically uh, politically biased. Was this part of the bill? Was was there some heavy confrontational debate on this from the other side of the aisle? Yeah, actually, Kevin McCarthy uh, went toe to toe with Biden and said, we're not supporting this unless the vaccine mandate is uh, is taken out. And General Austin, uh, Biden said, OK. General Austin, you know, the head of, head of uh, uh, armed services uh, right. of the, of, I'm sorry, Secretary of Defense, rather, right. was adamantly against this happening, but but he lost. So, um, you know, hats off. Kevin McCarthy was able to secure this. It should have been done, as I said, long ago. So, How many, just curious, do you know, do you remember how many Democrats came over and voted with Republicans? Um, this, uh, for the whole bill, um, you know, there were probably an equal number of Democrats and Republicans that did not 
vote for the bill. About 25, I believe, on each side. I can't remember exactly what the screen showed right at the end. And so, you know, you have the Rashid Tlaibs and, the, and those like that want to see this country as weak as possible. And yeah. so some did not, uh, you know, some Democrat or some Republicans did not vote for it for certain reasons. Um, but it passed with uh, bipartisan support. Let me uh, change subjects. The Your thoughts concerning the Biden administration swapping Victor Bout, a Russian arms dealer known as the Merchant of Death for WNBA player Brittany Griner, while U.S. Marine Paul uh, Whelan remains falsely imprisoned. Uh, your, your thoughts on this now, obviously, we're happy to see Brittany Griner uh, achieve her freedom and on her way home. But was this worth was this a, a, a trade that was, first of all, was it equitable? And secondly, does this endanger Americans abroad? Absolutely not equitable. Um, she broke Russian law, albeit, you know, a minor offense. And I think her sentence far outweighed or uh, was in uh, definite out of proportion for what she did. But it, it's infuriating on a couple different grounds. And again, glad for her to come back home. But um, I hope she will come back with a different heart in her uh, attacking America. Let's just put it that way, what she did beforehand. I I, uh, I hope she does that. But here we are. We traded her for a Russian arms dealer while we leave a Marine, a United States Marine who has been rotting in Russian prisons for four years. Yep. We leave him back there. This is an absolute unequal um, exchange, and it was obviously politically motivated uh, by Biden, which he doesn't do anything without being politically motivated. Um, and I... I uh, I'm really uh, happy for her, but honestly, very upset of the uh, the disproportion of what has occurred. And again, does this endanger uh, Americans abroad? I mean, if if listen, if if Russia and for that matter, other countries, it's like if you want to get a jail, uh, get out a free jail card and get one of your bad guys back, uh, get their freedom, go kidnap an American, especially a yeah. American that's got some notoriety like uh, Grainer. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, you know, th- this administration has done nothing but compromise the American stance abroad in almost every aspect, economically, militarily, intelligence wise, everything. And this uh, this does. This is an example that will t- a lesser crime for a horribly dangerous crime uh, individual and send him back to Russia while our own Marine, our own Marine sits in uh, sits in jail and has done so for four years. And we get this gal out after just a few months. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. It, uh, it, it, part of it, part of it seats, uh, does not sit well with me at all. Well, it's not going to sit well with a lot of Eastern North Carolina uh, residents and voters. Uh, real quick, the Respect for Marriage Act passed the House today. It will go to Biden's desk for signature. You, along with the North Carolina congressional delegation uh, in the House, voted uh, against the bill. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, Tom, I look at this a different way. I'm not saying that gay individuals can't have affection for one another. That's not what this is about. Um, I believe that marriage is a biblical institution. I also believe that there were no protections whatsoever in this bill for religious institutions who do not um, believe um, in gay marriage or anything of that sort. So, you know, this is where the left, or rather, really, the gay community is pushing 
um, what they believe left honestly on on uh, America and not uh, not allowing people to say disagree with it. It's not that you disagree with folks being gay, but it has to be there has to be some understanding that people may feel differently and that religious institutions should not be forced um, to uh, to abide by this. And I think that's wrong. You know, if it were flipped the other way around, they'd be screaming a holy high heaven. And so um, it's uh, it's very, very, again, disproportional in so many regards. So I voted against it. I didn't feel it's right. Well, by the way, uh, if you get home and go online and read the uh, News and Observer, uh, the the strong strong insinuation is that uh, you are also you're, you're against interracial marriage. That's how they frame this. By by saying this, yeah yeah by by voting against the Respect for Marriage Act, what they've done is oh. they they've intertwined in there that because I think somewhere in the bill it talks about inter, uh, interracial marriage, and that that was pretty much the headline out of the News and Observer. Not you. Personally, well, but they they talked yeah. about Ted Budd and the and the North Carolina congressional de- delegation voting a, against interracial marriage. Which yeah, is- you know, uh, Tom, I grew up in Raleigh and read the News and Observer every day when I was growing up, and it's an absolute embarrassment at the uh, editorial board the way they are now. Um, they're they're absolutely they're absolutely an embarrassment. So anything that they say or WRAL says are flat flat distortions and spins about what reality is and so they're and no wonder their uh their readership has plummeted and everything else and so it's they're, they're just an embarrassment no they're surprise there yeah. hey yeah. we haven't talked yeah. since the election your thoughts primarily as you look at the reflection uh, as you reflect upon the election i should say as it relates to republican leadership and now that republicans are in the majority uh committees and uh, committee assignments uh, how does that all look uh, going into next month yeah, we. Um, I think it was good. We got a majority. It obviously was not by the uh, the numbers that we had hoped for. A lot of factors went into that. We can talk about that if you want. Um, but uh, you know, the whole thing right now is who's going to be the speaker. Um, and I, I will tell you, uh, I have to uh, tip my hat to the way that Kevin McCarthy and kind of the leader of the opposition, if you will, Chip Roy, have handled this. Um, we have had some excellent excellent, hard, and very frank discussion, which have not had any name-calling, no banging of the gavel or any of those things, um, where um, I think Kev has really, really listened to the concerns of the several individuals who have voiced them. And for the most part, um, and Chip Roy was kind of a leader amongst us, I think we've made some tremendous, uh, tremendous acts, uh, growth towards really what people want to speak. There are a couple people that I, I'm, they just don't want uh, McCarthy, and they don't. You say, "Well, who do you want?" Well, I don't know. Anything but. Well, okay, why? I don't know. I just anything but. But that's just that's just a couple of the people. Uh, and an excellent exercise in um, just how we get things done as a caucus together. So I, I applauded both of them for doing it. I really, uh, I really thought it was very well spoken with several of the other members um, who had an issue with McCarthy. It's not so much, honestly, an issue with McCarthy. It's been more of an issue with the process of uh, what's been going on and that they feel like there should be more mem- voice of membership. And I, I applaud that effort. I, I agree with it completely. Do you so, th- and uh, so go ahead. Do you think there's going to be changes at like the RNC and other positions of uh, in, in terms of how the party as, as a whole is run? Absolutely. I mean, we've already seen that. 
<clears throat> just in our conferences already. Um, absolute change. There's much more time for just the rank and file member interaction discussion. Um, and so without a doubt, we'll be able to, you know, achieve very, very good things. And so, um, I'm actually very, very excited about it. I think we, uh, we will do a good job in the next two years, uh, with what we've been given. Well, congratulations on your reelection. And uh, we look forward to the fact that the Republican Party is now in the majority. Do you think your committee assignments will change next year? No, no. I'm, uh, you know, I'm very lucky, Tom. I'm on the, the top committee in Congress and uh, was very lucky to be able to do that as a, as a freshman in the minority. And there is no, no, uh, no reason for me to change committees. Now, that said, when I went on to this top committee, you have to, uh, you know, give up your membership of other committees. And I've made it very clear um, that I would like, I'm trying to get a waiver to get back on Veterans Affairs because it's so crucial. And I have the support of the upcoming chairman of Veterans Affairs wants me back on. I've spoken with McCarthy. I've spoken with many members of the steering committee in one fashion or the other to get back on there. And it's purely a numbers issue. And, um, you know, I've, I've still continued to work with our Veterans Affairs Committee because it's so crucial for our district, but just kind of codifying membership back there. Um, so I'd be a voting member um, is what I'm trying to aim for. So we'll see how it happens. And, uh, you know, we'll still keep fighting for, for all our military, you know, active and, uh, and retired veterans. Well, I must say you sound optimistic, which is refreshing. Because <laughs> and when you look at politics over the last month, there's been a lot of pessimism, but uh, you do sound rather optimistic as you're going well, into the new I'm year. I'm a realist, Tom. I'm also a realist. I, you know, I, I don't like the way this country is going. And, uh, you know, I went to the, uh, the COP27, the uh, energy uh, uh, conference in Egypt last right. month, because I want to, there needs to be a conservative voice there. We can't just cede this to there. And, uh, uh, we met our, our contingent of five or six uh, uh, Republican congressmen. We've met with different people, the Taiwanese, the Japanese, the Australians, and even had a meeting with John Kerry. And I asked him some pretty damn hard questions. Um, basically, you know, how are you going to get the environmentalists on the left to allow any of this to be done? Because if not, we're just honestly, um, you know, throwing things into the breeze. Um, if you say anything of what's going on. And I also ask hard scientific questions um, because I think a lot of the premises there are incorrect. You know, climate's changed forever. And um, so it's, it, you have to have a conservative voice. You can't just seed this whole thing without some type of rebuttal. Thank so, you. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in there and ask hard questions. Well, uh, you got my curiosity up now. What kind of response did you get from John Kerry? It was interesting because, uh, I said, I said two things, actually. I said uh, the environmentalist issue. And then I said, you know, we can do everything. We can bankrupt America. He started bringing up reparations to all these other countries. And I just said, absolutely not. Um, and I said, all right, so you're not only going to have to get the environmentalists on board who basically sue, 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 save the whale, save the snail, save every tree. Um, and if, if they're going to do this, then anything you ever want to uh, do is absolutely not going to happen. And the second thing is, regardless of what we've happening, the Paris Climate Accord allowed, permitted China to continue to con construct coal plants. Right. They did 10 this, 10 this past year. They're 29 on, uh, on the planning board to continue to do this for another decade. 
yep. another decade while we while we scrimp and and cut our emissions, they're going to be growing. And the same thing with India. I said, how do you even think that this is possible? And basically, put his head down. Well, we're just trying to do what we can. So you know, it just shows to me he was not a very very uh, hard charging negotiator. Um, and so I think again, we have to have conservatives at the table to ask hard questions if this administration is not going to. So, well, is you know. is the is the issue the environment, or is the issue the redistribution of wealth from the United States to other countries around the world? It's all of them. It's all of them. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, they 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 bring up the, they hold their whole mantra is everybody's a victim. Everybody's a victim. Yeah. And you know, you think about Tahiti and all the other countries where if there is sea level rise, they'll be threatened. Well, yes, you're right. You're right. Um, but did we cause that? The United States did. Every industrialized nation caused that. Or and we'll and we pay all these trillions and trillions of dollars. And China and India don't do anything, and they still make it worse. How is that going to help any problem whatsoever? So um, it's again, you, you, they only paint one side of the story. So it's up to us as conservatives to put the light of day to the other side. I gave a hard charging uh, interview with the New York Times. But amazingly, they never published it. And uh, <laughs> well, there's a said, shocker. He, he, he said, uh, "Well, gosh, thank you for being so frank." And well, you know, that's that's what it is. But amazingly, yeah. they never published it. Yeah. So. Well, you and I know why. So, yeah, Congressman absolutely. Murphy, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, listen, travel safe, and uh, look forward to having you back in the district. Hope you have a great uh, Christmas holiday, and uh, my best to uh, your, your family as well. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for your staff too. Is just a uh, a great staff, always very helpful when we want to get we, in touch. We with really them. do have great staff. Well, God bless, and everybody. I hope they have a wonderful Merry Christmas and holiday season. Thank you, Greg. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye bye. All right, stay with us. More news and views coming up. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is a political trivia Thursday. We'll be playing it a little bit. Uh, Your category today, Christmas in the Colonies. It is December the 8th. 81 years ago, 1941, the day after Pearl Harbor was attacked, we entered World War II. 42 years ago, do you remember where you were when you heard the news in 1980, John Lennon was shot and killed outside his New York apartment building, the Dakota, Mark David Chapman, who uh, recently, I guess in the last couple of years, was uh, released. But, uh, yeah, I remember exactly where I was when I heard that news. I was on my way to work, working at a radio station up in Baltimore, and I heard it across the uh, the radio. The um, 38 years ago, now I don't remember where I was when this happened. Captain Kangaroo aired for the last time 38 years ago today. That was a mainstay for how many years? 29 years it ran on CBS. That might have been the longest-running t- daily TV program in the history of uh, television, the uh, Captain Kangaroo Show. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Mr. Green Jeans and the Bunny. I say I remember a little bit of it. Uh, taking a look at your weather forecast tonight: cloudy, a slight chance of a rain shower, low of around forty-seven. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high around fifty-five. Tomorrow night, increasing clouds with a low of forty. Saturday. 
mostly cloudy, high around 55, but chance of rain is pretty low on Saturday. Uh, until Saturday night late, we might see some rain showers come in and again on Sunday. Some possibility of rain. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Have you heard the news? Ironwood Golf and Country Club voted best golf course in Greenville for the fourth year in a row. Ironwood boasts an 18-hole Lee Trevino design course, members-only full-service dining areas with monthly social events, a competition-sized swimming pool, and clay tennis courts, making Ironwood the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. If you're looking for a perfect gift for a loved one, Iron, Ironwood has gift certificates available. Uh, here's the perfect gift. Join Ironwood and give your family the gift of uh, having fun all year long. No initiation fee required. For more information, contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252-752-4653. By the way, don't forget Christmas with the Embers next uh, Monday night at the uh, Re-Image Church. All the the funds from uh, that concert will go to help Operation Santa Claus. Purchase your tickets online right now at WTIBFM.com. Our thanks to our sponsors, Specialty FDR. Southern Bank, Amera Health, Caritas, North Carolina, Greenville Toyota, Paralectronics, 264 Shoes and Apparel, The Air Doctor, Hardy's, Fantastic Sam's, Greenville Utilities, GoEco, Speedy Oil Change and Auto Service, and Telco Credit Union. Next Monday night, get your tickets. Uh, we will play political trivia in a little bit. Uh, yeah, Ted Budd was uh, part of the headline at the News and Observer. Talked a little bit about this with uh, Congressman Murphy. The headline from the News and Observer, North Carolina's newly elected Senator Ted Budd. Interestingly, they immediately go after the conservative senator now. Voted Thursday against protecting same-sex and interracial marriage under federal law. I mean, this is, What a smear tactic this is. Now, the whole reason that it was uh, put into the bill, interracial marriage, is because they wanted to vilify anybody that would be voting against the gay marriage bill. Of course, it's misnamed the Respect for Marriage Act, but this is strictly a a smear tactic. Interracial marriage is an add-on to this bill. So publications like the News and Observer, and as uh, Congressman Murphy said, WRAL, they can vilify and slander statesmen and women who would take a stand for historic biblical marriage, and uh, they can label them as racist. That's what they love to do, right? If you disagree with the progressive agenda in any portion, you're a homophobe and a racist. There you go. That's why they put it in the bill. And uh, News and Observer fell right in line. Remember, um, well, I'll tell you what, let's, let's go ahead and take another time out and uh, let's open up the phone lines for political trivia, shall we? 561-8255, 561-8255. Your category, Christmas in the Colonies. Got a good prize package. Lines are open. Give us a call. We'll play when we get back. All right, welcome back in. It is Political Trivia. We've got a couple lines open yet, 561-8255. Give us a call, and uh, we're going to play here in just a minute. 
Your prize package includes a free oil change for your car pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or at Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, a gift certificate to the Ironwood Country Club, a $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aiden, delicious baked from, from scratch goodies, a uh, $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno in Havelock or El Mexicano in Newport for lunch or dinner. Both restaurants serve great food, served up uh, by the Morales family. Also, a gift certificate from Fit for Life, including two free training sessions with a fitness coach. Uh, give us a call, 561-8255. Remember, too, if anyone in your immediate family has won recently, let 60 days pass before you play again. First up from beautiful downtown Beargrass, we've got Glenn on the line. Hey, Glenn. Hey, how you doing? Uh, doing great. You ready to play? Sure. All right. Christmas in the colonies. Here's a question. In 1659, Massachusetts passed a ruling regarding the Christmas holiday. Violation of this law would result in a fine of five shillings for each offense. What was this regulation regarding Christmas? Um, Christmas trees. It is nothing. Well, uh, indirectly, it could be involved with Christmas trees. But uh, you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Uh, I'd say candles. Uh, no, no, that was not, uh, that was not the regulation, but, uh, good guess. Give us a call back. 561-8255 in 1956, in 1659, Massachusetts passed a ruling regarding the Christmas holiday. Violation of this law would result in a fine of five shillings for each offense. What was this regulation regarding Christmas? 561-8255. Let's go to Newburn. We have Charlie on the line. Hey, Charlie. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. What do you think? Uh, say it was illegal to work. It was illegal to work. That is not it. That's a good guess, but that is not it. Five six one eight two five five. That opens up another line. Uh, is it a time for a hint already? Don't overthink this. Okay, I'm just saying. And here I'll give you a first hint. Uh, somehow this law, it figures that it happened in Massachusetts. Just saying. All right. 561-8255. It's not that hard, folks. Give us a call. 561-8255. 1659, Massachusetts passing a regulation on Christmas. Who we got, Clark? Will in Aiden. Hey, Will. Hey, hey, Tom. What do you think? What was this uh, ruling in Massachusetts regarding Christmas? I think they outlawed Christmas. You got it. That was it. Massachusetts passed a law imposing a fine for anyone caught celebrating Christmas. Uh, After the Puritans in England overthrew Charles, King Charles in 1649, among their first items of business after chopping off his head was to ban Christmas. And uh, the Puritans in New England brought that, not chopping off heads, but uh, brought over this idea that uh, it was wrong to celebrate Christmas. And it wasn't because they were anti-Christian. It was because they were zealot Christians, and they actually thought it was wrong to celebrate a Christ Mass, these folks being um, Protestant, I guess you'd say. Hey, uh, well, congratulations, and uh, hang in there, and uh, Clark is going to get your information. We'll get you at those certificates. Thanks for everybody who played. I'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. 
Congratulations to Will Pickman of Aiden, North Carolina. He got it right. Massachusetts passed a law imposing a fine for anyone caught celebrating Christmas. Of course, this was back in 1659. The Puritans of New England eventually followed the lead of those in England. In 1659, the General Court of Massachusetts Bay Colony made it a criminal offense to publicly celebrate the holiday and declared that, quote, whosoever shall be found observing such a day as Christmas or the like, either by forbearing of labor, feasting, or in any other way, was subject to a five-shilling fine. Uh, That law was repealed not too many years later. New York Post. Remember yesterday I uh, mentioned at the end of the program that Vladimir Putin and Russia has passed a law outlawing anything to do with the LGBTQ agenda and anything to do with uh, in, in the area of pedophilia, child uh, abuse in a sexual sense is strictly forbidden and uh, fines quite heavy. The New York Post today is reporting that on Tuesday, Indonesia's parliament approved a new criminal code banning sex outside of marriage, which carries a punishment of up to one year in jail. The new code passed with the support from all political parties also prohibits cohabitation between unmarried couples. The code will apply to Indonesians and foreigners and comes despite the concern of lo- that the law could keep tourists away and harm investment. It will not go into effect for three years to allow for the drafting of regulations. The country already bans adultery but has not done the same for premarital sex. Indonesia's parliament approved a new code that will ban sex outside of marriage and the punishment for the crime can be up to one year in jail. Interesting. So you've got a mostly Muslim. I think I think in Indonesia it's a Muslim majority population. In Russia, you've got a a, a government that basically their stance on religion is they're atheist. Here in the United States. We've got the the motto of in God we trust, and yet, uh, wow, the directions these countries are going, you'd you'd think it would be the other way around, but not so. Do you remember the guy by the name of Robert Schneck? He he, He puts himself out there as a reverend. He is the guy that accused Samuel Alito of leaking the Supreme Court 2014 decision in the Hobby Lobby case. He was called today to testify before the House Judiciary Committee, and things did not go well for him. The good reverend used to be a pro-life activist, but flip-flopped on the issue. And uh, he has, uh, during the hearing, Jim Jordan asked this guy to confirm that Gail Wright had told him the outcome of the Hobby Lobby case after being informed by Justice Alito. That's what he had originally said, that he knew this from this woman named um, uh, this woman by the name of Gail Wright, to which when he was asked that by Jim Jordan, he said, absolutely. Jordan did his homework, however, and found that this guy had written a book in 2018. And in this book, there were some things that it wasn't too hard for Jim Jordan to realize. Bottom line is this guy was a liar. I would have to go back. Well, we did go back. We did go back, and I got the transcript <clears throat> right here. Proceedings, 10.05 a.m., Chief Justice Rehnquist. 
We'll hear argument first this morning in number 95-1065, Paul Shank and Dwight Saunders versus Pro-Choice Network of Western New York. Did you hear it? I did. Was there a word missing? Uh, title, Reverend. Yeah, wasn't in there. In your book, you said it was a big deal, so much so that you winked at your brother. Did you wink at your brother? Yes. What'd you wink for if it wasn't in the title? Well, it was our case. But you, but that's not. You said you winked because they included Reverend in the title, and the transcript says Mr. Rehnquist didn't. Perhaps not. Perhaps court reporter get it wrong. Did he say it? The court reporter get it wrong. Well, we got the audio too. I'm going to play that. We'll hear argument first this morning, number 95-1065, Paul Shank and Dwight Saunders versus Pro-Choice Network of Western New York. Reverend, did you hear that? I did. Was there a word missing that's different from what you put in your book? A title, yes. What was that title? Did you wink at your brother? I think I did. In fact, I think I actually hooked him. So now you got more details. You got the key detail wrong, what you were writing about in your book, but now you remember an additional detail. You not only winked, you, not, you, you elbowed your brother. I think Even I though the reason for the wink in your writing was the fact that Reverend was using the title, something that had never been done, but it wasn't used. But we're supposed to believe you today. We're supposed to take your word over Justice Alito's word. We're supposed to take your word over a lady who gave you dollars, donated to your cause, Miss Gail Wright. You're disparaging her name, Justice Alito's name, and the court. And you, you have this, which obviously didn't happen. We got the transcript. We got the audio. But you made it a big deal in your book. One thing I've learned, people who mislead folks on small things mislead them on big things. And you know what? You can, you can lie in a book. It's not a crime. You can lie to the New York Times. That's not a crime. But when you come in front of Congress and you say things that are not true, you're not allowed to do that. This is really interesting. So this guy, this Reverend Shank, Sh- uh, Schneck, I guess is how you pronounce it. He he writes this book and says that this was a big deal because he and his brother went before the Supreme Court, and normally they would not refer to a witness by uh, they would not embellish his title with something like Reverend. But he writes in the book that they got Alito or, or uh, that they got. Um, it wasn't Alito, it was uh, Scalia, to introduce him by the name Reverend. And he writes this in his book, makes a big deal of it. It never happened. And Jim Jordan, obviously it didn't take too much uh, effort for him to realize, going back, seeing what he had in his book, and going back and finding the truth, he immediately points out to this guy that you're a liar. Now, you've lied in your book. And now you're lying about Samuel Alito releasing the information on Hobby Lobby. Uh, this guy, Robert Schneck, was just uh, – he was he was shaking. He was so pushed back into his corner, uh, literally shaking. Good job from Jim Jordan, who uh, – you know, this guy's credibility was just – shot in the foot and Samuel Alito has been, you know, I, I, he didn't need to be vindicated anyway. I mean, Samuel Alito is, he, he is not the kind of guy that's going to lie about it. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms is reportedly planning to destroy a number of firearms from Operation Fast and Furious 10 years after the scandal broke. In a letter to the ADF director, Stephen Diddlebach, 
incoming House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan again, is asking that the firearms be preserved. Yesterday, the Bureau notified us it intends to destroy the firearms associated with the botched Operation Fast and Furious. I strongly urge you to reconsider this decision. Although ATF apparently intends to forget its dangerous misconduct in Operation Fast and Furious, the scandal is still a matter of public concern. In fact, earlier this year, prosecutors in Mexico charged seven individuals with crimes related to Operation Fast and Furious, including Mexico's former top police officer and a former Mexican federal police commander. Given the potential for ongoing criminal and possible civil actions, it's not in the interest of justice for the ATF to destroy potential evidence associated with Operation Fast and Furious. Now, Fast and Furious, um, as you know, they distributed firearms. They ended up in the hands of the Mexican cartel. Uh, They ended up killing one border agent, at least one that we know of. The ATF says, well, we need to destroy them because there was a security guard that had stolen some of these arms. And rather than have them get out and have them be stolen, we're going to destroy them. Yeah, how convenient. I'm sorry, but the excuse that a security guard stole firearms, therefore you need to destroy them, rather ironic. Stop and think about it. They're worried about firearms getting out from a security officer stealing them, which I, I find highly questionable. But yet, at the same time, Operation Fast and Furious was getting firearms out to the hands of the Mexican cartel. You can't make it up. (sighs) Thanks for being with us. Uh, Congratulations to our political trivia winner, Will Pickman. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.